0: Father, I ask that you would forgive us for not having a grateful heart. Father, when gratitude is not the first first thing to come from our lips. Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us of the things we are to be grateful for. Father, the good things, the difficult things. The joys, the pains, the sickness, all of it, Father. Help us to have Jesus. a grateful heart. May Thanksgiving ever come from our lips. Yes. Because your name is greatly to be praised. Yes. So, Father, when we find ourselves in an anxious moment, in a season of choice, not knowing what to do, not, not knowing what choice to make. Father, a, a moment of heartache, broken for a loved one, difficulties in our job, financial strain, uncertainty for our future, the future of our nation. that all that we would experience may it be wrapped in thanksgiving thanking you for what you have done changes our mindsets takes our eyes off of ourselves, takes our eyes off of the circumstances around us some which we may absolutely have no power to change but yet we are still called to walk through it may we be forever grateful and thankful Thank you God that you are the light in the darkness yes. that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light Father may wait may we be people who remember that we are people of light we carry your light because of as we were even reminded yesterday by our president. That we are made in your image, and we are light bearers, and I thank you that nothing can extinguish your light, and that all that's done in the dark will be brought out into the light, ultimately for your glory and for your honor. Father, for the opportunity that we have to gather today, we're grateful we, have, we come to you with a thankful heart. We come to you with a heart of expectation. Father, leaving our past behind us, yes. even the pains that we might have experienced before we walked in to this room. And we are expecting to be renewed, to be convicted of sin, to be healed, Father, in the physical the emotional and spiritual to be made whole and to become stronger not in our own strength but by the power of your spirit and in your presence father for those that are meeting all over this nation today we ask that truth would rule and reign father for those that are meeting in secret we ask that you would encourage their faith. Yes. Father, and may many come to know you this day. In Jesus' name.
1: truth God your love Father endures forever thank you God that the work you've begun on us Father you are faithful to complete it we thank you for this new day God yet another day to gather together to open your word to hear from you Lord Jesus to be led by your Holy Spirit And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be of good soil, Lord, to receive Your Word this day. God, that it would take root and produce lasting fruit in our lives. God, that we would have a greater level of hunger and thirst for righteousness for Your name's sake. God, that You would begin to make the crooked path straight before us, Lord. We thank you, Father, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Father, as, as we've heard in our time of worship and as we know it to be true from your word, that no weapon forged against us shall prosper. We know, God, that our hope is in Christ if we are in Christ, and that hope in Christ would not disappoint us. And I pray for those, God, that... That may be hearing the sound of my voice this day, God, reading from your word, Lord. I pray that if they are not in Christ, that Holy Spirit, that you would harvest the seed that has been planted and that they would come into salvation and to accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, that they would be born again. Father, you know exactly where each one of us are at. And I pray, O God, for the conviction to go forth this day, Lord, to renew hearts and and, and renew minds, Father. I thank you that your word says that you transform us by changing the way we think, by renewing of the mind. O God, that we would grow and that we would mature, God, That we would take every thought captive and bring it into into obedience of of your Lordship, Father. And that we truly would live out lives, God, that would honor you. That we would go forth into a darkened world and that we would be the light. Proclaiming the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them, Lord, to obey all of your commands. So come, Lord Jesus, have your way among us and in us and through us. Let your will be done, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will harvest what you plant. This is yet again another day that we can keep this verse before us. And I pray it's challenging us as we go about day to day throughout our week, giving thought to how we're living. The justice of God will not be mocked. You are going to bring back on you and on your life what you are sowing. How are you living? How are you doing? Christ, you all. Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. If you're in Christ, and we see it all through the New Testament, the position of the believer is in Christ. We are to put on Christ. We we are to understand that we, as the Bible tells us, that we are seated with Christ. That in Christ, we have the victory. In Christ, we have the authority. In Christ, we have the freedom to live a life of abundance. I remember Jesus' words. If you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then come. How are you doing denying yourself? How are you doing picking up the cross daily, moment by moment, and following him? Have you fixed your gaze upon Jesus? Have you been born again of the Spirit? Remember, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night and he asks him, What must he do? Enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus says you must be born again. Born again. No longer living from the old man or the old woman, but of this new creation. I want you to think about your Christian life. Are you in Christ or are you just in church? Are you in Christ? Or are you just in church? Because being in church does nothing. You're going to go to hell with everyone else. It is only those who are in Christ, it is only those who have been born again that are of his kingdom. Remember what we learned from last week from scriptures there's only two people those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Are you in Christ or are you just in church? You show up when you want. Oh, I may go today. I may turn on today. There's no really a level of commitment to your maturing as a Christian. Ah, oh, you pray here and there. Oh, you really seek Him when your life is turning upside down. But other than that, you go about your day doing You. And maybe posting something encouraging, maybe even saying something encouraging here and there, but your life is based on your desires, your wants, your needs. It's all about you. You're just in church, and you're dead. You're full of deadness. There's nothing good in you because you're in church. In fact, Jesus said he would rather have you outside the church than to be in the church. Because you're lukewarm. You're making a mockery of his kingdom and of his blood. There's no transformation coming forth. You're denying his power. And how sad. But for those who are in Christ, For those who have been born again. You think upon Him. You desire to grow and to mature. To be more and more Christ-like. There's a level of a hunger and a thirst that He cultivates by His Holy Spirit. Whom you have received. to draw you into a deeper relationship and understanding and to gain wisdom upon spiritual things and the spiritual life and to grow and to mature, to minister to others. You have an urgency within you because you understand His kingdom. You understand Christ like He's revealed the mysteries to you through His Word. You understand the times in which we are living. You have a prophetic vision and a prophetic voice. You have ears that hear and eyes that see. And you understand the urgency to minister to others. You don't take what you've received from Christ and hide it from people. No, you share it freely. You can't help to share the truth no matter how they respond to it. You understand the urgency. You understand the the weight of eternity You don't worry more about the temporalness of someone's life. No, you are more concerned about their eternal destiny. (laughs) Heaven or hell. With Christ or apart from Christ. And you would lay your life down for them to know Christ. Are you laying your life down for others? Whose life has been impacted this week for God's kingdom because of your life? I want you to think about that. Whose life has been impacted for His kingdom because of your life? throughout this week well nobody then what have you been doing how have you been living how are you praying how are you fasting how are you opening up his word how are you connecting with others or are you just in church because I, it's all about me I just want to feel good about myself maybe I'll show up today Listen, we got to get serious. The times are not like what they used to be. We have to wake up. Your life should be impacting others for His kingdom. You should be growing and maturing. And what you've been given, your calling. You see, we all have the same call. We all have the same purpose. And what is that? It's to reconcile others back to God through Christ. You have the ministry. You have been given it. I have been given it. The ministry of reconciliation. That's what the Bible says. You just don't leave it for the pastors. You just don't leave it for the evangelists. You just don't leave it for other Christians who you think are far more mature than you. No, it's each of us. The same calling, many different things within the church. But we all have the same purpose. To see others reconciled to Christ. Do you have that desire within you to see others reconciled to Christ? Well, let me tell you something. They're not going to come to know Christ through you just being in the church. It's when one sees a transformed life. Not a perfect life, but a transformed life that is a continual transformation happening and going on in your life. We are quick to talk about other things with people that are temporal. Here today and gone tomorrow, but you can have an hour-long conversation with them. When's the last time you introduced someone to Jesus? To the hope that is found in Christ. When's the last time you just served someone? When's the last time you just thought of someone more than you thought of yourself? See, there is a way in which we are called to live. It's not because man says, and remember as we talked about it a few weeks ago, and it's not a heavy burden. If your Christian life is a burden on you, then you don't know Christ. Because His yoke is easy. His burden is light. No, you have a zeal. You have a passion for the things of His kingdom. And for Christ. You live and you seek to honor Him. And when you fail, you get right up because you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you repent and you move forward. Your Christian life is a movement of forward. Move forward. Seek Him while He may be found. Turn to Him. Seek, ask, knock. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't turn back. You keep moving forward. Honoring Christ with the decisions that you're making. Lining up your thoughts. In a way that would honor Christ, getting to know him more and more and more, and being transformed by him. I'm telling you, it's not time to to, to, to cower down. No, you need to fan the flames. You need to allow your faith to grow. How are you speaking? How are you talking? Now are you allowing time just to be still and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you? Are you, are you are enjoying His presence? Or are you just caught up in life? Like, come on, we got to wake up. we got to wake up. I've been reflecting as Tuesday the 7th of July at 2.30 this Tuesday. It'll be 23 years. Ago that I gave my life to Christ. Twenty-three years, and I can't take any credit into any in the man that I am or the knowledge that I know. Because in and of myself I know where I would be. I would be right back to the junk and to the filth of this world. But I praise God that I have been born again. <laughs> And Christ is my all in all. I'm not perfect, but He's perfect. And I know that He's perfecting me. And I know that when I am with Him, I will be perfect. Oh, the joy that we can have in Christ. And yet though these 23 years have been like nothing else I've ever experienced the love and the zeal that I have for him just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper even in the midst of years of confusion, even in the midst of years of questioning, even in the midst of years where I just wanted to turn and just go my way I praise God that he is greater in me (laughs) than he that is in this world and that he has sustained me, he has kept me, he has continued to reveal himself to me. And as he's done in my life, he will do, and if he is, hasn't done already, in your life. And if he has done already, he will continue to do it in your life. Because he's God. He transforms us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He opens up our eyes and opens up our ears that we may see. He fights for us. (laughs) He knows us. He's created us. He's purposed us to do good works. Like we, we have a purpose, we're not accidents. We're not a second thought or an oops, no, we God has purposed us and He's planned for good works for us to do. Even before He placed us in our mother's womb. Are you celebrating the newness of life daily? Because you ought to, because the times are getting darker. And if you're just focused on the times, you're going to get lost up in it. Are you encouraging yourself daily? Because you ought to be encouraging yourself in Christ daily. Yes, it's good to hear from others. And yes, we've been given the church to encourage each other, to edify, and to build each other up. But oh, how I pray that you're doing it as well on your own. And that you're learning how to stand and stand therefore then in Christ with the hope in Christ that will never disappoint you, no matter what your circumstances are, that we would believe, and upon belief, we shall live and we shall move. We shall know who our God is. I want you to go to Romans 6. and As many of you have heard my testimony of what Christ has done in my life. You know, Romans 6 is the chapter that he used to really snap the chains off of me. And as we think about Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, (coughs) the justice of God, so don't be misled, the justice of God will not be mocked. You're going to harvest what you plant, I want you to realize, as we're going through Romans 6, especially at the end, what you will harvest if you continue to be a slave to sin, or what you will harvest if you will continue to be a slave to righteousness. There's only, again, two ways of living. It's one, you're being saved... Or you're perishing. You're either in church or you're in Christ. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. For about a year or more before that day 23 years ago, Jesus began something in me. He began to, to, to reveal himself to me and to draw me unto him. And there came a, a, a time where I began just to to push back. I really liked who I was and wanted to keep living, how I was living. And I didn't want to be bothered with the voices any longer or the call to righteousness. And every time I would feel the conviction, I would, de- de- I would uh, renounce it and push it back and say it was the devil speaking to me. Until that glorious day when I locked myself in my room and I grabbed the Bible and I said, God, speak to me. Well then, Romans Chapter 6 Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with christ in baptism and just as christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father now we also may live new lives since we have been united with him in his death we will also be raised to life as he was we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with christ So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Christ. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Oh, let us look at verse 11 one more time. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead. To the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You, you, put your name there. So you, Rob, also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So you use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the laws, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourself to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You were now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become a slave of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. The good news of the gospel. The power of sin has been broken. Jesus has defeated sin and death. There is a new life that is to come forth. You're not to remain the same. You don't keep going the way you were going. No. Repentance. Turn from. Go to God. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. And when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, when you get a revelation of how great his love is, And when you get an understanding how terrible his wrath is, you can't help. But bow your knee as the Holy Spirit draws you. Because it's a work that he begins in us. It's not something that we wake up one day and say, Oh, I think I'll get to know Jesus. No, we, before Christ, we are blinded. And the Bible says it is Satan. That is blinding the eyes. He is deceiving people. This world stands condemned, and Satan is running amok. And we just go to church. We just go to church. And we're still enslaved to sin. Sin is mastering the church. And it ought not be. Because in reality, it's not mastering the church. It's mastering the religious in the church. Keeping them from being positioned in the family of God. 1 John says, I write to you so that you will not sin, but if you do. So it's not that a believer will not sin. This isn't Christian perfectionism being taught. No, it's the reality of truth of God's Word. Either He's God or He's not. Either He's begun a work in us and He's bringing forth fruit, lasting fruit, a transformation that all could see that you get no credit of because your life now points to Him. Because people remember who you were. And when they see that you're different, something is wrong. It doesn't add up. What's going on? Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I have taken my old life and I've nailed it to His cross. I have found redemption, freedom, salvation in Jesus. I'm not running back, I'm not looking back, I'm not cowering down anymore. No, I'm getting up and I'm moving on. Are they seeing that in your life? They ought to be. They ought to be. You're no longer a slave to sin. Sin's power has been broken off of you. We just don't go and hold a form of religion and deny his power. No, you are free from the very life that was dragging you to hell. And listen, the way Satan manipulates, the way his inner workings are, you don't even see that you're being dragged towards destruction because you're enjoying it it's fueling it's feeding your flesh the world systems are built off demonic strongholds and everything that is being pumped into the swirl wants to confine you in it and keep dragging you towards destruction But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Your eyes are open. You understand you're going to harvest what you plant. If I keep going this old way, it's only going to lead to my destruction But if I accept this free gift, if I see Him for who He is, I humble myself and receive as He is drawing me in, then now I'm a slave to righteous living, to right living, to trusting Him, to believing upon Him. That no matter what's ahead of me, I'm okay. Are you okay? Are you settled inside? Are you content with Christ and being in Christ? Have you found the hope that only Christ can give? The world is getting darker and darker, and darker, as I've been saying for years. But the church should be getting brighter, and brighter, and brighter. And yet what we've done is sat in church, and we've been lulled to (laughs) sleep. Where are the Christians? I keep reading about our brothers and our sisters who are enduring life in other countries. I see what's happening to the church in our country. And I said, God, do we have the faith to stand As our brothers and sisters overseas do. I say, God help us. God help us. To know our God. To love our God. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our body, with all of our strength. To love God. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and 12 is where we're heading. Remember, the grace of God is the power to transform your life. And yet we've cheapened grace throughout the years, allowing it to be taught as if it's something that gives us the right to remain enslaved to sin. That somehow God is okay for us to continue to go the way we're going I threw down the Bible, Romans 6 opens up, I read it, I fought with God, I read it again, and all of a sudden all I could do was stand up, and I felt the weight of junk just falling off of me, and for the first time in my entire being, I was free. I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do, but I knew one thing, I was free. Are you free today? Are you free today? Are you still just so consumed with everything and anything and everyone? Christ is to be your all and all. And I will not feel bad for saying that. I will not feel intimidated by others who say just ease up a little bit, Rob. No, because your eternity is more important to me than you're feeling comfortable sitting in church. We're talking about your eternity. And you're just running amok. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. God's standard hasn't changed. Holiness. Loving Him. Remember, His purpose from the beginning Genesis all the way through Revelation, and for all eternity, is that He will have a people that He will call His own, and in return, they will call Him their God. Is He your God? And as you've been reading about the Israelites, He set them apart for His purpose. He wasn't giving them this promised land because they were good people. No, He knew that they were rebellious people. But He was fulfilling His covenant. He is faithful to what he has established. He's God. And he was showing them how to live for him, how to honor him. How to uh, do not get entangled with the other nations. And do not get entangled with how they worshipped their gods. No, keep your eyes on me, God says. And I will make you a great nation. Chapter eleven. You must love the Lord your God and always obey his requirements, decrees, regulation, and commands. Keep in mind that I am not talking that I am not talking now to your children. Who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness and his strong hand and powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and his land. They didn't see what the Lord did to the armies of Egypt and to the horses and chariots how he drowned them in the Red Sea. As they were chasing you, he destroyed them, and they have not recovered to this very day. Your children didn't see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. They didn't see what he did to date them Arabim, the sons of Eli, the descendants of Reuben. When the earth opened its mouth in the Israelite camp and swallowed them, along with their households and tents and everything living that belonged to them. But you have seen the Lord perform all of these mighty deeds with your own eyes. He is reminding these people as they are about to enter into the promised land who their God is. And He's reminding them that their children have not seen this remind them are you ministering to your children to your grandchildren are you allowing them to know who God is we are to be continually talking about God <laughs> from generation to generation to generation Thus, we end up with a generation that is godless. Moses goes on, therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today, so you may have strength to go in and take over the land you are about to enter. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to you, their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches with your foot as in a vegetable garden. Rather, the land you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain, a land that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it even each, I'm sorry, each season of the year. If you carefully obey the commandments I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will send the rains in their proper seasons, the early and late rains, so you can bring in your harvest of grain, new wine and olive oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your livestock, and you yourselves will have all you want to eat. But be careful, Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain, and the ground will fall to produce its harvest. Then you will quickly die in that good land the Lord is giving you. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth and your children may flourish in the land, the Lord swore to give your ancestors... Listen, as it was for them, so it is for us. The word of the Lord should be inscribed upon our heart. We should be meditating upon it day and night. We should be discussing it. We should be sharing it. We should be reminded of it. And my God, we ought to be telling the youth of who God is, how great He is. It's, remember, it's not God stiff-arming us. No, it's us stiff-arming God, saying, You're not God. We're going to live and do whatever we want. However we want. We're going to be moved on all of our desires and all of our needs. Are you committed wholeheartedly to Christ? Or is there someone or something that's more important? Because you always have an excuse for why you're not growing as a believer. God help us. Do you have a zeal and a hunger to open up God's Word? Or it's just Sunday's the only day you hear the Word or even open it. Have you developed a persevering attitude and a commitment to your spiritual life and to Christ to apply the Word as the Holy Spirit is giving you insight and understanding and revelation to your life so you're not just a hearer of the Word but just you're the doer of one of it. Are you sitting down with the children in your life, letting them know what it really means to be a Christian? Not just having a form, but a Christian to honor Christ, to live for Christ, even though the world is pulling them left and right, even though the desires from within are screaming at them they can stand with the assurance if they are in Christ to live for Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit and they don't have to fall prey to this world and to the flesh and to Satan how does your children or your grandchildren see God and see Christ by the way you live By the way you live. Either he's just a form. Or he's truly God. Are you honoring him? Be careful. Moses goes on. Obey all the commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. When has this changed? People can say, well, that's the Old Testament. No, the commitment to God, the commitment that God has established then is the same now. Yes, there's some things that were bound to Israel that's not bound to the church now from the Old Testament, but the level of commitment that was there is the same level of commitment that is now to Christ. Jesus himself says. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Deny yourself. Pick up the cross. Follow me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? You look at all the letters to the churches." Basically, telling them to grow up, to mature, to love God, to honor God. Reminding them of who they are in Christ and who He is so they don't get enslaved and entangled again to the world that they're in. No, we gotta wake up. He's God, He's on the throne, His kingdom come, His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a day when Christ is returning. And he's going to gather up those who belong to him. And oh, what a glorious day that will be. Are you listening? Verse 22, let's read it again. Be careful to obey all the commands... I'm giving you, show love to the Lord your God by walking in His ways and holding Him tightly. You are going to look like a foreigner in this earth if you're living this way. You're going to look odd to people. But your life is not meant to be lived to please man. Your life is to be lived to please God. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you, though they are much greater and stronger than you, and you will take over their land. Wherever wherever you set foot, the land will be yours. Your frontiers will stretch from the wilderness to the south of Lebanon in the north and from the Euphrates River in the east and the Mediterranean Sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you. For the Lord your God will cause the people to fear and dread you as He promised wherever you go in the whole land. Look, today I'm giving you the choice between blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving to, giving you today. But you will be cursed. If you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods you have not known before. When the Lord your God brings you into the land and helps you take possession of it, you must pronounce the blessings at Mount Gershom and a curse at Mount Ebal. These two mountains are the west of the Jordan in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Jordan Valley near the town of Gilgal not far from the Oaks of Morah for you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land the Lord your God has given you when you take the land and are living in it you must be careful to obey all the decrees and regulations I am giving you today oh how great is our God how faithful is our God how awesome is our God it always boggles my mind that people see God in the Old Testament and they came out to be this wicked God. But He is a just God. He is a faithful God. He is a loving God. He's the same God who John 3.16 talks about. He's the one who loved the whole world. That he gave of himself, his own son. So that mankind, the rebellious creation, could be reconciled back to him. That's how great God's love is. (coughs) Oh, come on you all. Chapter 12. These are the decrees and the regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. You must obey them as long as you live. Isn't it interesting we see Moses letting the people of God know of what it is to obey God? And isn't it interesting that Jesus commissioned to His disciples, and to us, is to go forth into all nations to proclaim the gospel, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to what? Obey all of His commands. Where's the church? You say, what does that mean? I know we are a small little group of people. But there's only a handful within the small group that's being discipled. If you're not being discipled, if you're not being taught on how to obey His commands, how are you living throughout the week? What does your home life look like? What does your thoughts look like? look like? What is the attitude of your heart like? You're either in church or you're in Christ. And oh how I pray that we're in Christ. Jesus' words. How can you call me Lord and Lord and not do what I say? How can you say you love him with everything that you are and yet dismiss him when he's when it's convenient for you to dismiss him because you want to do your way? Come on, we gotta we gotta wake up. Obey, obey, grow, mature, be discipled. And again, it's just not our fellowship. It's the church at large. You call together Bible studies. You call together a time of prayer and only a few show. Where's everyone else? God help us. These are the decrees, again, chapter 12, and regulations you must be careful to obey. When you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you, you must obey them as long as you live. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods, high on the mountains, up in the hills, and under every green tree. Listen to that. Don't miss that. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods, these other nations. Listen, there, there's nothing new in our generation that wasn't going on even back then. All the sexual craziness, all the, all the, perverse, the perversion, all the rebellion, everything was there as well. And they were blatant in their worship to their gods. They built temples. They built altars. Look at this. On the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. These nations were faithful to their gods. And as it was then, so it is now. People are faithful to what they believe in. They have a cause. They have a belief. They live it. And then here is a lukewarm Christian just trying to fit in. Oh, but I love Jesus. I go to church. Oh, you you should get to know Jesus. And they look at you like you're a freaking nut job. Because what you believe really isn't who you are. And they can spot and they can tell a true Christian and a fake Christian. Come on! These other nations, they worship their God. For God's sake, there was one where they had to go and they had to burn their children. Offer their children a sacrifice. This is how we worship. So don't be moved by the culture. Don't adapt to the ways of the culture Because that's just the new culture. That's just the new generation. It is what it is. So we as a church should just go along with it. No, the devil is a liar. As it was then, so it is now. You don't go the way of the culture. The culture isn't to be influencing the church. No, we are to tear down all the ways that they worship. All the ways and how they come and go. You don't allow it to be raised up in your heart and in your mind. You used to go that way. You used to be drawn that way. That's how you used to live. But you are now a new creation. There's a new way of life coming forth from you. Gushing forth. I pray it is. So, don't look at the culture and think that anything is new. God's people, even in this day, tear it all down. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods high on the mountains, up in the hills. Under every green tree, break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Burn their asher poles and cut them. Cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Highlight that. Underline that. Exclamation part. Do not worship the Lord your God in the ways these pagan peoples worship their gods. As it, is, was it, as it was then, so it is now. The church is being introduced. The ways that the lost worship their gods. They're being infiltrated. Churches to worship our holy God the way the world worships the way they worship God have mercy God is to be the center Christ Jesus is to be the center of our worship it's all for him in him alone it's not for me it's not for you it's for him we come not seeking for ourselves we come to seek him We lift His name up. We lift Him up. We honor Him. It's all about Jesus. They were not to go and and, and ask, oh, well, how how do they worship their God here? And what about this? Or maybe this is what we can do. And by doing this, this will please our God. No, you don't adapt to the culture. And do you see why it's so important to train up your children to speak to the youth of who our God is, how to truly live for him? Do you know it breaks my heart and it saddens me to know what's going on with youth that are supposedly in Christian homes? They're just being hand over to the altar to be burned. Because their parent or their parents are just in church. They're not in Christ. We've got to be the people of God if we're claiming God as our God. If we're claiming Christ, then live for Christ. It's so sad that what we've done to the youth And yet, and yet, we say, we make excuses. Ah, boys will be girls, boys will be boys, girls will be girls. Or nowadays, boys will be girls and girls will be boys. However it works for anyone. Other youth, they need to go and experience the rebellion. And somehow that's the norm. Somehow we say, well, that's normal. The devil is a liar. That's not normal. That's normal for the world. Train them up. You can't force them to love God. You can't force them not to rebel against Him. But train them up. Pray. Intercede. Cry out to God. Let them see Christ in you and your life in Christ, so that when they go their way, seeds have been sown, seeds have been watered, and so that the Holy Spirit can ultimately harvest what has been planted. But if you're not planting, if you're not living, if you're not watering, then you're just turning them over. And for what? We got Christian kids that can't even come talk to their parents. No, you want to have an open door, speak, talk. We got to cultivate the Christian life, you all. We're not to go and learn how to worship other gods and then bring them back to our worship to our God. He goes, rather, verse 5, rather you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship He Himself will choose from among all the tribes. The place where His name will be, look at this, honored. Is His name being honored? There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals, of your herds and flocks. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God, and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished, because the Lord your God has blessed you. Your pattern of worship will change. Today all of you are doing as you please because you have not yet arrived at the place of rest. The land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. But you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God is giving you. When he gives you rest from all your enemies and you're living safely... In the land, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifice, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow to the designated place of worship, the place of the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with your sons and daughters and with all your servants. And remember to include the Levites who live in your towns. For they will receive no allotment of land among you. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place the Lord will choose within one of your tribal territories. There you must offer burnt offerings and do everything I command you. But you may butcher your animals and eat their meat in any town wherever, you, whenever you want. You may freely eat the animals with which the Lord your God blesses you. All of you, whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat the meat just as you now eat gazelle and deer. But you must not consume the blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. But you may not eat your offerings in your hometown, neither the tithe of your grain or new wine and new wine and olive oil, nor the firstborn of your flocks and herds, nor any offering to fulfill a vow, not your voluntary offerings, nor your sacred offerings. You must eat You must eat these in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose. Eat them there with your children, your servants, and the Levites who live in your town, celebrating in the presence of the Lord your God in all you do. And be very careful never to neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. When the Lord your God expands your territory, as he has promised, and you have the urge to eat meat, you may freely eat meat whenever you want. It might happen that the designated place of worship, the place the Lord, of, uh, the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. It is a long way from your home. If so, you may butcher any of the cattle, sheep, or goats the Lord has given you, and you may freely eat the meat in your in your hometown, as I have commanded you. Anyone, whether whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat the meat, just as you do now with gazelle and deer. But never consume the blood, for the blood is life, and you must not consume the life blood with the meat. Instead. Pour out the blood on the ground like water. Do not consume the blood so that all may go well with you and your children after you, because you will be doing what pleases the Lord. Take your sacred gifts and your offerings given to fulfill a vow to the place the Lord chooses. You must offer the meat and blood of your burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your other sacrifices may be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but You may eat the meat. Be careful to obey all my commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you, because you will be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. When the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations and you drive them out and live in their land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods saying, how do these nations worship their gods? I want to follow their example. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods, for they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. So be careful to obey all the commands I've given you. You must not add anything to them or subtract anything from them. Wow! Repetition, he repeats himself on these commands. And as you usually as you would see in the New Testament, as you hear preachers preach, repetition is the best way to learn. The same message from Genesis to Revelation it all points back to God. He's the center of it all. Is He the center of your life? Are you loving Him? Are you obeying Him? Are you trusting Him? The way these people, these other nations live, the way the world lives, it is detestable to God. Nothing has changed. They were sexualized. They were perverted. They did crazy stuff with their bodies. They had their orgies. They were drunkards. They run amok. There's nothing new. A rebellious heart is a destructive heart. If you remain in rebellion, all you can bring about is destruction. And in the end, you will be destroyed. And I keep, saying, I keep encouraging us. Why would we continue to, to trade His love for His wrath? His desire is that you would come to Christ. That you would receive His love. You don't have to clean up your life. No, come as you are. And be transformed you're not going to remain the same you're going to be transformed your thoughts your words your actions your deeds your desires everything is being made whole nothing missing nothing broken not bound any longer but free are you a free people today Go to Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 39. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 39. He who the Son sets free is free indeed, you all. Chapter 8, verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. Understand this. It was Jesus who sent them to the other side. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, "Master, Master! Why? I mean, we're going down. We're going to drown." When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm, the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. Jesus Put them in the boat. Knowing good and well that the storm was ahead. And that's why I've always encouraged y'all. If you're in this season and it's storming. You're going under. Allow your faith to grow. Take that experience and that trial. And be matured from it. Remember who Christ is. If he can calm the wind and the waves, he will see you through what you're facing today and what you're facing tomorrow and the next week and the next month and the next year until you are with him. If you are in Christ, you are safe. He's got you. He knows you. He's seeing you through He's the one that strengthens you. He's the one that has told you, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. He's the one that inspired the writer to write out. When Paul wrote out the letter, trials must come so they can produce within us perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and that hope in Christ will never disappoint us. When he writes, and and he's inspired to write, and he writes that endurance must finish its work so that you are complete, not lacking anything. So don't curse the storms. Get through them in Christ. So they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes, across from the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, "'Don't torture me!' "'For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit "'to come out of him. "'This spirit had often taken control of the man. "'Even when he was placed under guard "'and put in chains and shackles, "'he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness "'completely under the demon's power. "'And Jesus demanded, "'What is your name? "'Legion!' he replied, "'for he was filled with many demons.' The demons kept begging Jesus to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them per- permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. Wow, wow. This is Jesus, you all. This is Jesus. Almighty God. That even darkness has to submit to. Come on, you all. And we make him out to be this weird, limp-wristed, hippie dude, passing out hugs and muffins. Making him out to be something that he's not. Just weak and pathetic Jesus. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. He's God, you all. The wind and the waves obey. Darkness, demons, Satan, they have to bow. Everyone at some point, is going to bow before Christ. Come on, you all. Get excited. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed circle that, underline that, highlight that, when they saw the man who had been freed from the demons, he was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. They weren't afraid of the demons. They weren't afraid of the man running amok, terrorizing. But now they're afraid of a transformed life, of a life that is submitted completely to order, not chaos. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region, all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. All of them. Leave us! They were influenced by fear. So what did Jesus do? So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Listen, not everyone's coming to Jesus, you all. Your transformed life is going to upset people. It doesn't make sense in the natural. It ought not to, but it will. And why? It's because it brings conviction to their rebellion. (laughs) And I love the fact That even though this freed man, he's freed now, desired to go with Jesus, Jesus knew what was best for Jesus' kingdom and for this man. You go and you tell your family what God has done for you. And he obeyed. So he went through all the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done him. These people knew who this man was. Jesus says, I'll leave. (laughs) But I believe in him. (laughs) And you all are going to have to face the fact that I'm God in his life. A transformed life. These people knew this man's past. These people knew how this man was controlled. How he lived. The chaos And now he's a man of order and a man of peace. Just going about his days, proclaiming what God has done in his life. Is that you today? Are you proclaiming what God has done in your life? You ought to be. You ought to be because that's how others are drawn in. He pulls us out, and he places us right back in, and he says, go. Go. Bear fruit. Tell others. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I command. Because I'm God. Go to Psalm 70. Psalm 70. Psalm of David. Asking God to remember him. King David you all. Enduring life. Please God, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who tried to kill me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame. For they said, Aha, we've gotten him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, "God is great." But as for me, I am poor and needy. Please hurry to my aid, O God. You are my helper and my savior. O Lord, do not delay. How's your prayer life, you all? prayer is vital you will mature and grow in prayer your prayer is is based on the truth of who God is his character his word and I love the fact that David knows his God and even though he's going through a trying time he calls out to God and, he, it's an, and it's an, 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 an enduring time. And yet, God, He knows Him as His helper and His Savior. Oh God, rescue me. I love this. And may those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, God is great. God, I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it. I feel uncomfortable. This is painful. It's the unknown. I don't know what the outcome is going to look like. But God, you're my Savior. You're my Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. Oh, God, in you I find my comfort and my refuge. In you I find my hope and my strength yet again to get up and get through the day. Or you can just stay stuck in your pity party and pray your, your worthless, fleshly prayers that amount to nothing because they're soulish prayers. They're selfish prayers prayers and God does not hear and you say what God does not hear oh yeah open up the Old Testament he tells his people no 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 (laughs) stop your worship stop your praying (laughs) your heart is not towards me your worship is not towards me it's all about you come on we got to get real you all he's God or he's not He's not moved by your emotions and your soulish, rebellious prayers or your soulish, rebellious worship that you just slap His name on. No. Are you following God? Are you obeying God? Are you trusting God? Do you know God? Let's end in Proverbs 1 nugget today. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. A worthy, a worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. And I loved how Bill Bright gave a commentary to this verse, and I want to end it with this. He writes, affecting each other. The unity shared with the spouse can work for good or for bad. When a husband or wife fails to live as he or she ought, the other spouse may suffer embarrassment, grow bitter, and lose heart through struggling to hold the marriage together. One spouse's failure to walk with God can have a great effect on the relationship. But the other is true as well. Success and joy strengthens the other spouse. If this is true in marriage, imagine how your union with Christ affects you. Colossians 2 verse 10 says, You also are complete through your union with Christ. If you are one with the victorious Lord of the universe... Then you have every reason to celebrate as you continue on your journey. Oh, how I pray that you are one with God in Christ this day. I'm going to close this with this last song of worship. And then I'll close this in prayer.